0: Me voy a Chile. Que dicen ven, ven, ven. Predetón, don, don. Que hace un gol, gol, gol. Les talla el corazón. Que dicen ven, ven, ven. Predetón, ton, ton. Que hace un gol, gol, gol. Les talla el corazón. Big ben! Big ben. Big Ben. Big Ben. Vamos Chile. Big Ben.
1: A BRFCS podcast sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace Store. Follow them on Twitter at the Terrace Life and check out their website at theTerraceStore.com.
2: Oh, how are you Tony, it's me Steve Waggett of Poundland Mike Ashley,
3: I've got oh, some
2: ideas here that I thought I might run past you's for making some more money like,
0: tell me what you think? Well, as you've always said to you, Steve, I'm open for ideas that we can work on on the training ground with all the lads putting the effort in on the training ground, what's on your mind mate? Well, first one, I thought we could try and
2: sell half-game tickets, like. You want to watch just the first half of the game, you can buy a ticket for the first half of the game. And then when you want to watch the second half, you pay again, like. Well, I can see a few
0: problems with that. Steve, in that a lot of Rovers fans will go behind and then they'll get frustrated
2: and they'll not come back. For the second half, that's all right, Tony. Because I thought you could pay the full price for both halves. Just rewind a bit. What? What? Wh- why would? Why would anyone want to do that when we're two 0 down? Because that'd make us more money, like. But would it if the people didn't turn up at all? Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, what about this one then? I've noticed that there's quite a lot of grass on more pitch, like, and I thought if fans could buy an individual piece of the grass like and then the players could sign it and they could come and pick it up from the ticket office like 35 quid
0: well you know Terry's stolen he gets out there he puts a shift in and he you know he covers every blade of grass he's one of the hardest working players in the club I'm, I'm not so sure we'd be able to saying any more pieces of grass if Tyrese has covered every blade, you know okay well, what about this one then now
2: that war social media guys left Tony I'm gonna be out the tweets and that how do I turn it on so people have to pay to read them
0: well you know my feelings on the social media in the modern way of football, you know, because when we was at Middlesbrough in the 80s, Bernie Slavin was like the spokesman for our group, and we never really relied on anyone else. And ultimately, I think the lads got frustrated, and you know, if you want to be playing football in this division, you've got to prove that we're moving things
2: forward. How are we now, Tony, then? I'm off around would see if there's anything I can find to stick on that eBay, like. There's a cabinet downstairs with some nice trophies in no one ever uses. Hello there.
0: You're listening to the BRFCS podcast. And this bit is simply a mechanism to assist the editing together of two different parts. Sorry to let daylight in upon magic, but there it
4: is. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the BRFCS podcast uh, two stalwarts, shall we say, of the fanzine... Um, culture. Uh, A new guest to the podcast in Chris O'Keefe who many of you will have heard is behind the Turnstiles magazine and we'll find out a bit more about him and the magazine. And our old friend of course, although he's not so old, certainly not compared to me but anyhow, our regular friend, our regular contributor Scott Sumner from 4,000 Holes. How are you Scott?
5: All right, thank you. Good to be back on.
4: It's good to have you back on. So we'll start with Chris, if I may. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Um,
5: No, Thanks for having us.
4: It's an absolute pleasure, sir. So uh, establish your your football credibility then. Why should we listen to you? Who do you support? How long have you supported them? And all that sort of stuff. Uh,
6: Blackburn Rovers. Good God. Of course. (laughs) I know. For my sins. Season ticket holder. When was you,
4: uh, When's your earliest Rover's memory or first game?
6: Can't pin it down. I've been trying to think, and I remember going to an Everton home match, and it was nil nil, and I was sat in the Riverside. So I think that was about ninety three, yeah, ninety four, and then the but the earliest one I can remember is uh, the season we won the league uh, against Arsenal at home because it was my birthday, and my mum and dad got my birthday you know, thing up on the score, ball oh, fantastic, at half yeah. time. Um and then I've I've you know, I've dug in like to the archives and i found out that it actually was on my birthday. So that, that that's the game I'm going for. We'll,
4: we'll, we'll take that then. Can you remember
6: what the score was? I think it was two nil, three nil. I know, I think Shearer scored.
4: Yeah.
6: I remember being in the Jack Walker lower and him running over. Yeah. So that that's my Vegas, I familiar sight memory. in those
4: times, of course. So
6: that, <laughs> yeah, mean, that,
4: that yeah. means you, were, you hooked up to the Rovers bandwagon in the good times.
6: Certainly. And then through, throughout, under, I know obviously Brian Kidd went down, but then soonest that young team we had, uh, Duff, Dunn, Taylor, Gillespie, Ignat, fantastic. And then stalwarts like Flitcroft. And then obviously we then moved into the Premier League. Two guys. Unbelievable. Who's your favourite Rovers Cross? player? Would you say Alan Shearer? Alan yeah. Shearer, definitely. But two guy very very close second.
4: Usually when I ask that question, there's three answers that emerge. Um, Shearer is an obvious one, but it's too obvious for some people. Two mm-hmm. guy then is a, you know the master craftsman, all the rest of it. Uh, Matt Janssen also makes many. Um,
6: yeah, wonderful.
4: Many appearances. We
6: actually. Um, I actually managed to talk to him for uh, issue two about get his memories of the Worthington Cup win. Yeah, um, so that, that was like a massive honour actually getting, getting to to chat to him about it.
4: He's such a lovely guy. He has he has been on the podcast. It's, it's possibly my favourite uh, my favourite ever podcast interview. So when you were growing up, what uh, what football magazines did you read? What was uh, what was um, the sort of stuff you used to? Kind of-
6: I used to uh, get shoot and match. Every, I think, I, for some reason, I've got it in my head that it were every Monday. My nan had picked me up from school and on the front seat of the car, there'd be shoot and match and I'd just, and devour them and just rip the middle picture out and stick it on my wall. It didn't matter if it was a Rovers player, a Leeds player, a player. I just loved having all these footballers on my wall. Yeah, And um, so, yeah, they they were growing up fantastic 90p i think they were as well
4: well they're a lot they were a lot cheaper when i first started buying them i have to say yeah. I think maybe even 10p a copy or maybe going up to 50 months, was ridiculous stuff. did you uh did you do the league ladders thing as well
6: i remember having it and then as you are as a kid do it for the first few yes. weeks and then <laughs> then you forget about it as soon as rovers are at the top yeah we'll leave them there for the season and then
4: yeah stop doing it at the end of the 1995 season <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> Scott what uh, what magazines did you read then as a football fan growing up
5: yeah similar I think there's always that question of you're either a match or a shoot person and I, I don't recall getting shoots much at all but I got matched very regularly in the mid to late 90s um it was just more light-hearted I, I found and yeah. um I'd, similar to Chris, I, I always used to pull out every single poster, whoever it was, whether it was Carlton Palmer or Les Ferdinand, <laughs> just random players. And the up classics on the of world. the
4: modern game. Um, yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and similarly, the uh, team ta- team trackers, I, I got into that. And for one season, I put it up on BRFCS.com a couple of that. months yeah, ago, yeah. the one season when I actually completed it, I persevered right through to the end of the season. And it was actually, we couldn't have picked a better season as a Rovers um, to do it because it was 2001, 2002. Um, so it followed all the ups and downs. There was like a tracker of yeah. you know lead position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, then there was the lead cup win. So it's like a pretty special memento from from back then. So um, yeah, fun times. Fantastic. I do have
4: um, in the garage that I've, I've got a couple of those you know those crates that you use when you move in house. That's sort of like borrowed from the from the removal company. and Never gave back, and they are full of shoot. Roy of the Rovers and Tigers and I must go through them at some point so I'd say they're probably mid 70s so I think the the time that I first started getting it was probably about 70 certainly 74 75 because I had that that the Rovers 74 75 team in there maybe through to about 1980 something like that I've not got them all uh, clearly that would <laughs> immense amount of space but I must go through them at some point I've, I've had I scanned them briefly when I was putting them into the garage, but I think there's 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 loads of stuff, uh, loads of stuff in there. And it's it's amazing uh, some of the, some of the articles that were in there because in the pre-digital age, things that pass for trivia that would be tweets these days. Of course, they'd have pages of of that kind of stuff. Any anyway, road taking us back then to the halcyon days of the print magazine. But you're both doing that respectively, Chris. <laughs> for those who uh, who haven't come across Turnstile's magazine yet, then give us a bit of a sales pitch. What's Turnstile's all about?
6: Well, I like to pitch it as a a magazine for the fans, written by the fans. I read f- various different football magazines, but the fanzines are always the best, no matter what, because they're always written by the fans of yeah. that club. There's a, I've always said there's no point reading an article uh, about, written by a Chelsea fan in a London office about Falkirk or something like that, because all they've done is gone on the internet, done a bit of research, and yeah, you. good information but you just don't get that it's the the
4: authenticity isn't it yeah yeah, and certainly it's an observation i've made before um many on many occasions for a a club of our size the amount of fan produced content that that comes out is is absolutely extraordinary i mean yeah the vast majority let's not beat about the bushy. it comes from uh, rovers chat who do some excellent Mm -hmm. stuff of course and they've uh, they were rightly acknowledged in the uh, in the awards last week they, they really do produce some terrific content, but yeah, in our own small ways, we're all making other contributions. And there's lots of other sites as well that, that sort of tapping mm-hmm. into that rich vein. I think we, we punch above our weight as a club in sort of producing producing mm-hmm. that, that kind of content. So, how did it move from an idea in your head to actually producing something? What was the origin uh-huh. story of
6: Turnstarts? Horseman by trade spent too many days walking in the rain with all these ideas thinking, oh, I'd love to do a football magazine one day. And, you know, having the name Turnstiles, which comes from a, a Morrissey lyric. Yeah. I'm a massive Morrissey fan. Um, so I'd always I had that in my head. I knew the designer I wanted to design my front cover because I bought some of his work. And the second lockdown hit, uh, October, end of October, beginning of November, and I thought, Right, we're definitely not going Rovers this uh, season. I'm not going to watch football in pub and, you know, going out with friends. Perfect opportunity to start it. And you're up to edition
4: three is the latest one, uh, is that right?
6: Yeah, I'm just, just putting the final touches to it, just proofreading it and making sure everything's, you know, all the dates and things like that, you know, what yeah, people yeah. have written about. I mean, I trust them that they've got it right but it's always good just to double check just because there's always someone with a big nose somewhere that'll say actually that was 1983 uh, not 1982 (laughs) we had something
4: similar on one of our podcasts we did a Christmas special and we asked people to vote for their uh, or to talk about Their most memorable Christmas fixture and Mike Dilap bless his cotton socks, wax lyrical, (laughs) and got the year wrong (laughs) because somebody else had chosen the same one. I think it was a Rovers Liverpool one over Christmas, one where two guy dummied Stephen Gerrard. Oh,
6: Uh, yeah, and Mike Mike had,
4: yeah, we sort of said the most memorable game, and Mike had wanged up (laughs) at this and got (laughs) the year wrong. So I I did a really nice sort of sarcastic voiceover saying, obviously not that memorable, Mike, (laughs) but anyhow, moving on. So, yes, you're absolutely right, you must need to you must need to check that so how have you managed to get some um, contributors who are the people that you've uh, you've persuaded to write
6: unbelievable really I, the day i started it i messaged a few people sounded them out uh, mainly friends to be quite honest um, and then i set up the Twitter, zero followers following zero people and just i don't know just managed to just like find these yeah. Right to to be honest, I started off got looking through fanzines first, seeing who they were retweeting a lot, you know or, or this ex person's articles in this fanzine. I already had in my mind what clubs I wanted to yeah. talk about in the so that so I just started there contacted the fanzines asked um yeah, and now we're on issue three um sold x amounts of copies more than I ever ever imagined I would. And we've done some great things like raising money for Tony Parks and along the way and Well let, let's like talk that. about
4: that now because that's on my my list of topics to cover off. So the Tony Parks art print um yeah. is is available how? How can people get that?
6: Um by if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, Stone Styles magazine, uh, there's a there'll be if you just scroll through there's plenty of links to our big cartel website and uh yeah there's still a few available uh the five pound and um it started off really because in the issue three we've got um a a write-up about his career uh it's a yorkshire special and i thought how do we get a blackburn rovers article in here born in sheffield Uh, then born it and then one night i just sat there and i thought it's only parks were born in sheffield that's how we do it and it i thought I'd, my regular contributor simon smith who writes all my rovers articles sounded him out for it and he said yeah leave it with me i used to um deliver his pools to him with my dad when he, he lived around the corner so he said i couldn't get something together perfectly and obviously we just wanted a nice honour to him to be yeah, quite honest absolutely. because I don't feel the club are honouring him that well to be honest but the fans seem to be but yeah. and, you know we're clambering to get a just get the Riverside named after him but yeah. why would rather driver just name a training pitch down at Hall. Well, uh, he, he hasn't even
4: done that. I mean, if the, if if the club mm. had done something, and you could sort of say, well, mm-hmm. yeah, he's worthy of more than more than that. But for a guy who spent his whole career at Rovers in so many mm. guises and served the club so well, it, it well, it's just a, it's just a tragedy, I and mean, I think we, we we should harp on about it for sure. We had Natalie, his, his daughter, on our last podcast mm-hmm. episode, and uh, you know she speaks very evocatively about uh, you know her father's. Growing up, and obviously the tragedy that's happened to is is mm-hmm. subsequently. But just before we leave the the Parks print, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pose a question right at the end of this episode, and we're going to give away uh, a copy uh, of the, the the Tony Parks print yeah. to uh, one lucky winner. So stay tuned right to the end of this episode, and we'll, we'll ask a question, and then a lucky winner can get that. But as, just to reiterate what Chris has said, these are available for five pounds each, and the the important message is all uh, all the. Profits from sales of those are going to uh, to the Parks family, so you know not only is it and Christmas is coming up a nice little stocking filler for a Rover supporting friend or family, mm-hmm.
6: but the I must uh, add Go on. I've only got a, I've only got about ten left. Splendid, right? Well, that that's good so, news. So if yeah. we if we
4: earmark <laughs> one, just keep keep us one to side one to one side, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll give one away as a prize. That's nine left. So jumping yeah, so quickly, want quick. to get one right. of one of uh, one of the prints. Uh, and as we say, the the funds will go to uh, to the parks family, which is which is really really good, excellent stuff. So, what, what's the what's the demographic of your turnstile readership? Do you think, Chris? Um, what sort of age group well, buying it?
6: Um, I think quite a lot. It's it's a wide range. Um, I get. Some people messaging me, so I, I suspect the older people. I don't know, saying, how do I pay for this? I don't have PayPal, <laughs> I don't have this, but I've heard about it. Can a bank transfer you? So, yeah, so I think people are telling, like, their dad's there, oh, you like yeah. this magazine and what have you, and they're, like, you know, logging on and, like, thinking, bloody hell, how do I do this? And So, yeah, I think it spans quite a lot, uh, you know, from young yeah. 18-year-olds to... 80 year olds.
4: Scott I know it's a question Um, I've asked you in in the past about what what sort of people you thought were reading 4,000 holes to what extent has has your demographic changed do you
5: think if at all? Uh, I don't think it's changed much since I've been involved in the last few years I think it is probably something which which is generally people in say the 40s 50s that kind of age or even older getting younger people than that in involved regularly has been a bit of a challenge really and I think I'm adamant pretty much that there's not really much you can do about that I think that's just the way things are going it's just the future which we've got to accept as we've seen with the loss of the match day programme yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the new generation coming through just you know they're just not attached to the hard copy format whether it's magazines or fanzines or anything and you know we, we can get all you know angry or wistful about it or whatever but you know if we were that age we'd probably just be the same we'd be more interested in online stuff so it's just the way the world's changing and yeah there are some youngsters um you know under 30 or you know maybe get a copy or uh, even contribute occasionally um, but it's kind of it is I do accept it's kind of a bit of a losing battle really certainly in terms of panzines anyway it, it is something which is more of a an older person's thing
4: how are your sales stacking up then have you still got your core group of people that are
5: buying it so it's, um, it's pretty steady over the last few years I sell about 350 copies of each issue Obviously, we had the 100th issue, what is now two seasons ago. Um, so, obviously, that got a lot more publicity, and obviously, yeah. cause it was a special one. Everyone wanted to get a copy. So, that sold about 500, which was, you know, I mean, if you think about 500 people in a room, it's like, it suddenly makes you think, yeah, that's that's a lot, a lot. Um, so, it's, it's a number to be happy with. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's like regular people who subscribe or buy it on a match day you know get you get to see regular faces but then you know the subscribers who have subscribed this season you know there's been like a fresh 50 people who haven't subscribed before oh, and right. so it's you know some people naturally might not renew that's fine they've yeah. put the money in for a season and and that's great that helps us rolling along but it it's kind of good to see that you know a fresh bunch of people still yeah. taking an interest yeah, so yeah. It just help it's certainly helping it going um in the short term
4: and in terms of contributors you're still getting plenty of um, ideas submitted
5: yeah um obviously there's there's been a, a solid bank of regular contributors for the last few years um but in the new edition 102 the november edition uh, there's a couple of debutants which is always good um fresh young talents can bring both into the side yeah um and it's kind of a a good position at the minute because lockdown kind of helps in terms of content in terms of we weren't making any issues, but I had a, f- a few submissions over lockdown. Um, so hours. obviously timeless um, articles, which can be slotted in anywhere. So yeah. it's given me a bit of a bank to play with this season. So it's almost like catching up in terms of content. So I think certainly this season, content-wise, is uh, is looking as good as ever. And as, as usual, the, 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 the varied content, contributions and excellent interesting articles historical ones current ones you know satirical ones all all that kind of stuff so all the yeah, human life uh, is
4: there uh, yeah. and, in ter- and in terms of getting it then uh, people that know you know that you have your spot on kidder street uh, and can get that and the un- the 102 is out in november so november home games presumably. Uh,
5: well country. end of october start of november so um, i think the Sheffield United home matches earmarked to be a bit of a bumper crowd. There's a promotion on with tickets, isn't there? There is. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's,
5: it's the the anniversary and you know Remembrance Day and all that. So I think uh, that'll be the hopefully the big big day when I can sell most of the copies. So yeah, I'll I'll be in my usual spot on Kidder Street for for an hour before I kick off.
4: And failing that, of course, if people go along to the 4,000 holes page on that terrific website brfcs.com they'll be able to see how to subscribe as well tell, tell yeah. us about the new digital page that's got having wax lyrical about analog hard copy
5: ah uh, yeah so obviously this season there's been a link up with brfcs.com which has been great to um kind of start to build up a bit of an online archive some of the um some of the 4000 old contents because um, You know, first and foremost, articles go in in a magazine that's great and, you know, people enjoy them and then... But, you know, there is this positive about the online world in that you can reuse them, say, in a couple of years because the nature of fanzine articles is generally the aren't, you know, time-dependent in terms of what they are. So, for example, you know, there might be... There was an article last month about, you know someone traveling to africa and you know yeah and um, you know giving out Rover shirts kind of thing so um yeah it just gives it a, a you know a, a fresh look online and uh, hopefully opens the the content out to people to see you know the kind of stuff which is in the fanzine and uh and you know, just keep keeps the name out there, so yeah. gives so me gives
4: good. me ideas for podcast items as well, like, which is terrific. So the idea is we can reuse, and recycle all of that sort of good stuff, and it keeps everything going. So Chris, coming back to the Turnstiles magazine, then just for a second, so what what are your aspirations? Where what would you like to, where would you like to take it? How would you like to see it develop? Um I just
6: take every issue as it comes, to be quite honest. I've already got a lot for issue four that couldn't go in issue three because it's a a, spe- a Yorkshire special so I was being given stuff and I was like well sorry it's gonna have to wait till next year because it's not about Yorkshire um <laughs> so yeah I'll just take every issue as it comes and just pray that someone somewhere just buys a copy
4: um, <laughs> well, I, my, I, anecdotally online you've seen a lot of feedback on twitter on it, and it's been universally positive I think, yeah,
0: Yeah, people um, that
4: read it really enjoy it. It's the same as 4,000 Holes. I think it has... I, I remember uh, listening to a podcast a, a few months ago, and it was talking about podcasting isn't about broadcasting, it's about narrow casting. Mm-hmm. So, it's about resonating really deeply with mm-hmm. a relatively small number of people. And doing that, you build up brand loyalty. So, that made me yeah, sleep yeah. at night knowing if only three people listen to this, you know. But at least they, yeah, they do gotcha. listen to it and they really like it. I think it's similar with fanzine and magazine culture you get a hardy band of people. That will buy it regularly, and they you know they really love it, and they want to see it thrive.
6: I agree. When um, I get the orders through, and I see the set, you know, a certain name, and I think, oh, they ordered one, and they ordered two, and now they've just ordered three. I must be pleasing them. Um, so just to please one person is is fantastic. Um, but like I say, you get a band of people, and you think, oh yeah, that yeah, he bought that, and. Um, it's that—that's it, what's great. I, I really love that that you you have that core. Yeah, and then like you get the odd person buying like maybe they might buy issue two, but they might not buy issue three because I don't want to read about Yorkshire. But <laughs> issue four, they might think, "Yeah, oh, go on, I'll give that one a go."
4: Well, if I was in the office, I must admit I'd sort of send like send me a dozen copies. But of course, we're all working from home these <laughs> days. But uh, there, are, I, you know, I share an office with a number of Wednesday and United fans, so I'm sure sure that would have gone down well. But we'll, we'll see what we can do for you in subsequent episodes if I end up
6: back in the office. Oh, cheers.
4: Scott, for yourself, um, any grand designs? Is there going to be, ever be a four thousand holes Christmas annual or anything like that? With a retrospective
5: that's my plan actually this um christmas (laughs) that was a a lucky question wasn't it (laughs) yeah to do something a bit different i think since i got involved in doing it it was kind of almost all leading up to issue 100 which is a was a, a big deal and um you know to get that right and that was a big success especially the fact that it happened just before the lockdown and that got all packaged up yeah um so over lockdown, I was just thinking, I kind of, you know, I, I need something fresh to focus my mind on. Um, doing regular issues, you know, it's fine, but I still, you know... Just need a twist. Need something to get, get yeah, yeah, yeah. you all inspiring and keep keep it interesting. So I'm hoping to do a kind of a decade special. Uh, um, so issue 103 will hopefully be a 2010 special special. Um, Kind of a retrospective look back at you know that decade in rovers history but not kind of a, a boring factual thing of oh season by season no oh, we finished this position that was person was top goal scorer it's almost like a to do an alternative history yeah. like the, the quirky stories yeah. the funny stories the stories which even you know the most avid supporter might not have heard but would like to hear um so i've kind of got a lot of ideas together already and people have already you know thrown some ideas at me so yeah i think i'm going to go for that Excellent. And if that's a success then it opens the Prospect up to do, you know, a ninety yeah, yeah. special, yeah, 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 and yeah. then you know, two thousand special. I
4: feel more uh, contribute, uh, more confident contributing to a seventies one. I've got to be honest. <laughs> it's like, like that classic thing. I can remember more about what happened then than I did last week. But there we go. That sounds terrific. I have to say. So uh, we'll look out for that. I'm sure at the end of the year, but in, in between times, all the very best. Standing in the freezing cold outside Kidder Street, and Chris, thanks once <laughs> again for joining us. Wish you all the best with subsequent episode. Subsequent episode thank you very much so, subsequent magazine issues uh, and oh, you're welcome you. to come back on the podcast anytime and tell us what you've got and don't forget folks Wonderful. Tony Parks prints still available they're selling like hot cake, so get in there quickly thanks both I really appreciate that thank you very
6: thank much you.
4: Cheers. now it's time for our special guest on this episode of the BRFCS podcast It's Blackburn's very own Tez Ilyas. A star of TV and stand-up, he's one of Britain's brightest and funniest comedians. We went to see him live in Sheffield, but before he went on stage, we had the chance to interview him in his dressing room, so you'll hear people coming in, ranging from the security at the venue to his support act. Hope you enjoy it. It's my great pleasure on this episode of the BRFCS podcast to welcome a very, very special guest. It's Blackburn's own, Tez Ilias. <sighs> Tez, welcome to the BRFCS podcast. Thank you so podcast.
3: much for having me, Ian Stewart. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
4: It's an absolute, absolute delight. delight. You. Welcome to Sheffield as well. I just want to set the scene for listeners because this is an audio medium. Uh, Tez's rider seems to be that he's been provided with two Satsumas. You know what? Ooh, I bought I these I from home.
3: My mum gives me a fruit bag whenever I leave the house. If I'm leaving the house for more than one night, she'll give me a little fruit bag, and it usually consists of two satsumas a day, an apple, and a banana.
4: I was expecting a basket of fruit and some. Sort of like All fruit right, fruit. I'm
3: very, I'm a Did very, I'm, ch- a ch- run ch- run I'm a very cheap, cheap date.
4: Very yeah. good. I'll bear that in mind. So uh, you're back on the road. You're halfway through the rescheduled tour, like mm. so many comedians are at the moment. What's it like to be back on the road?
3: Um, Doing the shows is incredible. Like, I love being on stage. You'll see, you know, when the show starts in, uh, in, a, in, in, in a bit. Like, I love being on stage. It's such a thrill and an honour to be able to do this job. I, I haven't missed the travelling. Right. I haven't missed the admin and all the stuff that comes with it. When we first got back out, what was it? Mid-May. That first month was hard. Because 15 to 18 months of just chilling at home on a government-mandated <laughs> mandated holiday. Like, I got lazy. I got... I just I did not have the stamina anymore to work yeah um, or at least like to just get in the car and drive 300 miles do a gig for an hour and then drive you know a few miles somewhere else rest for the night check out in the morning and then drive some like it's just it's it's not glamorous people are think oh the hotel life is glamour it's not glamorous you never
4: we were looking for the tour bus that's we? exactly you so... never like so...
3: I drive myself everywhere I'm usually on my own I get local support acts hydras um, I, I get local support acts so they sort of travel then they, they make their own way to and okay. from it. and and then uh okay cool uh, is everything okay
0: yeah, my question is just about hecklers so if you've got a
3: minute how do you want to let's do it, it. let's give like, authenticity um hecklers it's don't worry I'll, I'll deal with them unless they get super disruptive yeah. in which case i'll ask for security it's yeah. very very rare that would happen though okay. I'll um,
6: well, probably have a member staff, either yeah. side,
3: you know, where the
7: lights are, yeah, cool. the commentary
3: is, just in case you need any assistance. No worries. So I, I shall, do Usually it. I'm okay, but if I do, I shall holler. Um, latecomers is fine. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I ask is, it's happened at every single show, because the show's been on sale for two years, I found that not everyone who bought a ticket has ended up turning up. Right. It's like there ends up being like a 10% drop-off. Yeah. So if there are gaps at the front... The front. Could we, could we ask people from upstairs if they want to come downstairs or anyone from the back if they want to the there? I rather the gaps are towards the back or upstairs yeah. than at the front of the show. Yeah, no problem. Right. Thank All you so right. much. Yes. Cheers. Thank you. There, there you go. Insight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah feel free yes. to say if you want. Um, I'm just doing a podcast for BRFCS. Yes. Okay. Um, Sorry, listeners, Just, yeah, ad, uh, admin the admin that comes with being on tour and being rushed and not getting anywhere on time. No worries,
4: no worries. So that, that's from your perspective. How have you found the crowds pre and post lockdown?
3: Crowds have been great. I think crowds, crowds have been very grateful to be back out having something to do. I have found they've got a little bit braver though, Ian. Like, I think having been at home, they, they've forgotten what, that, what an inside voice is and what an outside voice is. <laughs> so there we were where the guy was talking about hecklers and stuff. Like, you know, I can deal with them a profession, I can deal with them, but a yeah. uh, touch wood. <laughs> 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 I can ge- generally deal with them, you know, who knows what Sheffield's got in store, but um, generally I can deal with them. But I have found I'm getting heckled slightly more on this tour, probably the, at any point in the last five years. Because mm-hmm. I think people just got braver, and I think people, because we've lived our life on social media over the last few years, and e- everyone's got like an equal voice on social media, yeah. everyone's got a microphone on social yeah, yeah. media. Everyone, people just found that they can, if I say something because you know comedians sometimes say provocative things to get a laugh the, that, sometimes people just want to, a challenge and I'm oh, like right. it so
4: th- goes beyond comedy this is yeah like a question, yeah too. and I'm
3: like this is you know these are meant to be jokes like you don't have to <laughs> you, you don't have to take this I mean if you can if you want to but you don't have to take any of this at face value uh, you could just see it as a comedy show because that's what it says above the door <laughs> but sometimes people just think that Because when you're on stage, it's an exaggerated form of yourself. And often you are playing, it is a character and it's a caricature. And so sometimes, and I love saying things on stage that don't generally, that don't, yeah, that don't mean, or I might dial it up to 11 or something. And then people just think that's what you, that's what you genuinely think about things. And it's like, no, there's a, it's like disconnect. But like most people, not more, like most people obviously understand it's comedy. Some people might think it's too much for their taste and that's also fine. Some people might think it's funny and that's also fine because, you know, comedy is subjective. But there are generally more people now that feel that if they disagree with a statement or a joke that you said on stage, yeah. they want to let you know about yeah. it. And that, that didn't used to happen as much.
4: You're very active on social media as well. Yeah. So how, how, how have you found that reaction with your fans during lockdown? Has that that's been their only channel
3: yeah it's been really fun it's been really fun because i was trying to do comedy in a different way there are so many great comics out there who are really good at social media and social media comedians as well like one chihuahua and people like him who are so great at using instagram tiktok youtube whatever it is um to make sketch comedy whereas that it's not really my strength my strength lies being live on stage in front of an audience and the very two very different mediums that difference between like T twenty batting and test match batting, yeah. or fibreside and eleven side, you know, yeah. the two very different, different things. Yeah, 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 but they are two different things. Um, like you know, just because you can do uh, do do nutmegs on the street doesn't mean you should be playing high level Premiership <laughs> football. You know, so there are two different things. Um, so. So I've, I you know, I've tried it Idris, This is Idris In the room here He's, he's ooh, cu- filming me On his camcorder he, he was helping me out With some stuff last year doing, Filming some sketches together and Because Idris is a, is, is, a, is, a, is a filmographer Is that the right word?
0: Videographer Videographer
3: Videographer Videographer uh, So he's been helping me out and, With stuff And he's here recording The show tonight um, And so yeah I tried to connect With my friends In a different way I mean on Twitch Started streaming Me playing video games uh, Didn't really take off But it was fun to try yeah. And yeah It was really fun And it was fun To develop this kind of this grumpy uncle persona yeah. that I've that I've sort of developed on stage and it through my social media. And it's not who I am in real life. Well, yeah. obviously we all have our grumpy moments, but I kind of when I'm on stage or my social media which is an extension of my stage persona, I can really doubt that grumpy uncle persona up to eleven and twelve. And some people think some people t- again, some people take that at face value and they're like why are you being rude and I'm like no it's a it's a, it's an act. It's, a character. it's an act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah.
4: how has your persona changed with age then um, or maturity that's pretty oh definitely got
3: grumpier yeah. yeah yeah and I've also found like people love um, grumpiness in comedy like like grumpiness in comedy sells it's a it's, it's, it's a it's a really good like um, uh, what's it what going mean? back
4: to Victor Meldry
3: y- yeah 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 and it's it's, a, it's um, what's exasperation yeah exasperation yeah is a really good tool in comedy and I found that there are things that I'm exasperated by in real life. And so I write them up as a thing on stage or sometimes I dial them up to 11. You know, the, the things that your nieces and nephews do to annoy you, yeah. you're like, oh, I could probably dial that up a little bit more and talk about it on stage. Yeah. And so it's really, really fun. And then an extension of that, I can do on my social media. So whenever, you know, you see the messages that I get on, sometimes by people. So when I do that, I just, I act in my stage persona. Yeah. And sometimes people don't like it and they're like, why are you being rude to your followers? I'm like, it's, it's not, it's just, it's an act. Like anyone who's ever dealt with me properly knows I'm very, very nice. Apart from Idris. I do. I am very. I am very mean. I am very mean to interest. Um But I am. I am generally, generally, generally quite nice. Um, to people that I only meet once anyway. People in my life normally, obviously, take them for granted. But people that I meet once, I'm very, very nice to.
4: Oh, bless you. Well, as I say, we, we do appreciate the time that you're spending with us now. Can I go back to, to, to your origin story as a stand-up? Oh. Mm. Yeah, having voraciously read your Wikipedia page. Yeah. Clearly, you, you, you went down the, that rich scene of comedy and joined the civil service.
3: Yeah, I did a bachelor's now, in biochemistry.
4: What, what was it that's left, flipped and turned to make you think, no, nah, this, isn't, this isn't for me comedy. Right.
3: You know, it was a a complete accident, Ian. You you know, I grew up in Blackburn. I grew up in a working-class town, in a working-class community, in a working-class household. We weren't told that we could be stand-up comedians or have careers in the arts or any such highfalutin ideas. You know, we were told to study hard and do a proper degree and get a proper job, be it pharmacy, doctor, accounting, engineering, that sort of thing. And that's what I did. I got my GCSEs, got through my A-levels, went to university, did a bachelor's in biochemistry, did a master's in management, got on the graduate program in the civil service, one of the, you know, toot my own horn slightly, one of the top graduate programs in the country, managed to sneak on somehow, with all these middle-class, private, educated kids, and... Who are now
4: running the country. Yeah, who are now
3: running the country, and 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 ended up moving to London for it. And then when I was in London, it was at that point that I was like, I just need something more to do. I I wasn't thinking a different career, I was thinking a hobby. So I started looking for a writing workshop. I thought, Uh you know, everyone's got fun ideas in their head that they want to put on paper. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe a creative writing workshop would be good. I also wanted to meet new people, so I thought I might meet some like-minded people in a creative writing workshop. And while I was Googling creative writing courses, I accidentally came across a stand-up workshop. And before that, it never crossed my mind. Well, it crossed my mind in the same way being a footballer has crossed yeah. my mind, you know. You, you, yeah, or an astronaut and you imagine it, but it's not anything that you yeah, yeah, yeah. you consider as, a, as an option. Um, and I saw it and I thought, huh, I didn't even know such things, that, I didn't know you could do a course about stand-up comedy and and in that moment at that particular time I was like you know what just do it sign so up to it that
4: was the catalyst
3: that was January 2010
4: you weren't inspired no. by anybody on
3: no. the circuit or... no, no. No, no no no, I had my favorites I loved Jack Dee yeah. I loved Peter Kay uh, Russell Peters at the time I loved Eddie Murphy and stuff so there were people that I right. loved but I never watched or you watch them in the same way that you watched Michael Owen in the 90s going, I'd love to do that. Oh, yeah. Or you, know, you <laughs> no, watch, watch, watch Batisteutra on Football Italian Sundays and you're like, oh man, to be as good as Battigol, that'd be, that'd be great, wouldn't it? So in that same way, you, 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 know, you might watch someone and be like, oh, oh God, wouldn't that be cool? But never in a sort of like, oh God, I wonder how you would actually do that. Uh, so no, no, it was, it was literally looking at that in the cold light of day on, in this January 2010 in Canary Wharf in this high-rise, the high-rise Barclays building while I was trying to plan the Olympics. And I thought for the Home Office, and I thought, yeah, just go, just go for it, just go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Worst case scenario, I'd make a fool of myself and meet new people. I can live with both of those things. Yeah. Um, and so I went on it. It was so. Stand-up courses like they don't teach you how to be funny, but they give you the mechanics There's of stand-up. Yeah, and, and and they give you homework for writing. In, in, so they're like, oh, so try and write some material. Bear in mind yeah. the rule of three. Bear in mind metaphors. Bear in mind this. So you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So when I'm writing something, try and do a metaphor to make it compare it to something. So that, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that is what they do on the telly, isn't? It? That yeah. is what, pe- whatever, whatever. is like um, behind the curtain? Right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just teach you, showing you the mechanics slightly. Yes. They can't teach you how to be funny because that's, you have it or you don't. They can teach you how to write. it can teach you how to structure a joke. it can yeah. teach you um what not to do and what to, sometimes what not to do is as important as what to do yeah. um, and so at the end of it, one day a week for six weeks and the end of it there's a workshop where everyone who was on the uh, on the workshop they stood up in front of their family and invited family and friends and they did what they pr- had prepared over the last previous six oh, weeks wow. and um you know great <laughs> for great great foresight by the um by the course tutor i end up quote quote unquote closing the gig so headlining the gig um, so he must have seen something in me back then I don't know so he asked me to close the show or maybe just because I bought the most friends and he thought once I'm on my friends would leave <laughs> one of those two things anyway so I was meant to close the show yes. But here's the thing, my friends really wanted to come and I said to them I was super nervous and I was like okay if you, if you if you insist on coming please just sit at the back and be as inconspicuous as you can be my friends came early had t-shirts <laughs> saying, Testo, hi Simon, it's doing You're a podcast. This is Simon Lomas, my cool. wonderful support act. This is interesting. you've met haven't you? Have you met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, and they got t-shirts made saying TESTOR in the future, whatever, you know, something or other. And they all sat at the front, and I was like, this is the opposite of what I wanted to happen. Uh, but you know, people, when I went on stage, eventually people laughed at the moments I wanted them to laugh, yeah. and that gave me the confidence to do it. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and make a career out of it and stuff. And, here I am, 11 years later. Yeah, eleven. it was 11 years this summer. So 11 years <clears throat> later, here I am. Fantastic. So you must have started when on.
4: you were five years old. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> ha!
3: So I guess that's
2: the kind of thing that maybe you're going to be putting in the second installment Let's put the of your book. <laughs> um, my wife bought me this. Mm. I'll, I'll get that in there. She, she saw that and she thought, Stuart will like that. Because I've lived in Sheffield now for 20 years, but... I kind of, I grew up around the corner from, from you know, I grew up near Fallen Ends, Lamech kind of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, um...
3: So did you go play gate? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I had gate. junior school, then yeah, yeah, yeah. school, yeah, yeah. One of the things I found fascinating reading it is, through your book, there's a, a vein of football all the way through it, playing, you ended up managing a team at one point. Yeah,
3: very successfully. I my add. <laughs> you, you won the. You they, won were, the league. they were very good. Yeah, yeah. Were, my team was very good.
2: Yeah, but then there's there's the piece about the the day Jack Walker died mm. and how you went up to Ewood, kind of on your own. Mm. You, you kind of touched on it when we were when we were talking at, at the beginning around. You, you're the only, but how did you end up as a, a Blackburn fan, other than you're in Blackburn obviously, but around that time, it'll have been I Man United were a successful team, yeah. Arsenal as
3: well. Liverpool still had this strong fan base. Yeah. So from, I, my first, and I'm going to confess this like, on the podcast, my first team was Man United, I was nine, I didn't know Blackburn had a team, no one had told me, so my parents, my parents had divorced, was in the book, so I grew up with my mum, mum's not a football fan, by any means like you know she watches the international match and when we lose she'll say have we lost she, you know she's that sort of party, like not now mum." you know that's that's my mum's football involvement so i didn't grow up enough even though my dad loves football i didn't grow up with him um so i never grew up watching football but my dad's team is united right. so i kind of by default became a united fan because yeah. my cousins around me were supporting united and then september 92 went into assembly new term mr woods we were in i think it was in year three or year, f- year four i think of primary school and Mr Woods told us that Blackburn Rovers had just been promoted to the Premier League. And I was like, sorry, hang on who? Sorry, Blackburn's got a team. I was like, why has no one told me that Blackburn's got a team? And from that moment, I was like, well, that's my team, Blackburn is, Blackburn is my team. And so I became a Blackburn Rovers fan from September 1992. Yeah. So that's you, how it happened.
4: What do you remember of your first game? or what was your
3: earliest It was at Norwich at home, I think in what would have been the, the Coca-Cola Cup, second or third round, and we won 2-0. It was one of the coldest nights i've ever lived in my life um it was a school trip and we got to go right rovers one two nothing i think she she just got that i can't remember off my head uh and it was yeah it was amazing it was before all the redevelopments had been done so yeah yeah so we were were standing for most of the game and um yeah it was great it was just such an amazing experience and it was just weird how close you felt to the action because on tv like you don't appreciate how close you actually or to the, to yeah, the especially yeah. when we were in the what is now the Jack Walker Stand, yeah. um, and we were right at the, the bottom in tier, the right, near the yeah, front, and yeah. just yeah. so close to the action, and and yeah, and I remember then I went home, and my my mum and my stepdad and my, and my family had gone out somewhere. They'd gone to like some some relatives' houses, and they weren't back by the time I came back, so I stood on the doorstep for half an hour, waiting oh. in the freezing cold. It was like October, possibly even November. The freezing cold, waiting for them to come home, and they eventually. And you know, pre-mobile phone days, so it's not like you can ring anyone. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, they got home, and that was my first memory of watching Blackburn Rovers.
4: So you, you, when Rovers won the league, then that must have just been such a formative experience.
3: It, it was incredible. I kind of. I look back on it now with with a tinge of regret in that I wish I was a bit older, a bit
4: savvier.
3: Yeah, a bit savvier to appreciate how amazing it was because I kind of took it for granted. Because from '92 when I started Sporting Rovers, we were good. We were won yeah. the top four. We finished oh, fourth. It
4: was DC yeah. season. We finished fourth, country. second, first. Yeah.
3: So for me, Blackburn Rovers were the top two teams, top three teams in England, and I didn't know anything different. Yeah. And all my friends sported, and my cousins and my family sported United or Liverpool and they were big teams and obviously then my team is big obviously that made sense in my world that made sense yeah your team is big Pirates, also my team yeah. is big you've won the league now it's my turn to win the league yeah. like it made sense i didn't appreciate how big of a deal it was and that it would probably never ever happen again i think i would have appreciated it a lot more but it was kind of like oh yeah we won this one and next year we'll probably win it again or we might finish second again or whatever and yeah, so i didn't appreciate fully what it meant but i remember i watched it on teletext with my cousins It was my cousin's birthday Shabazz in the book it was his birthday I'm watching it on teletext and uh, Jimmy Redknapp scored and I've gone, I've miscalculated and I've gone that's it we've lost I can't believe we've lost on the last day of the season we've been ahead all the time and then someone was like no United still need to score and I was like oh yeah oh my god He's... and then obviously we were watching so I didn't really how much of a hero Ludic McCloskey was that day I found out later on much of the day how much of a hero he was but yeah they held on and um, I, I remember when, <laughs> when they scored I started praying that Stuart Ripley because Stuart Ripley didn't score a single goal all season, and I started praying. I was like, "Stuart Ripley, we need you now. This is your time, Stuart Ripley. This is your time to shine." Didn't didn't need to score. You know, the best time held on, we won the league. It was it was incredible.
4: It was such an extraordinary day. I think any Rovers fan will live through that. will always cling to that. But you're absolutely right. It's never going to happen again. Never is it. Never ever going to happen again. It truly a once in a lifetime experience. Favorite Rovers players? Uh,
3: Uh, Today. yeah, yeah, no, like, like, like not even like you. You hadn't finished the sentence, and I was like, two guy." It's not even close. Like when, when two guys started playing for Rovers, I was a steward at Rovers, so I got. Right. To, so it was almost like I had a season ticket for three, four yeah, years, yeah. and I got to see him play week in, week out, and he was just incredible. The best footballer that's played for Blackburn in my lifetime. Yeah. I think probably ever. Like there were people, like obviously she produced better results, blah blah blah. But in terms of actual baller, like he was the best. Yeah, his technique. He was so good. Yeah. Um, Mike Jansen. Loved Matt Janssen, obviously, Alan, Alan Shira, the cliche, Alishira Duff, you know, done and stuff. Um, Benny McCarthy, very underrated footballer. Yeah. On his day, he was so good. Um, I think we got some of the best football out of
4: him as well, because when he went to Yeah, West
3: we town, did, we did. We, he was, he was they were, there were times that we just the, got a striker who... Just, Rocky Santa Cruz. Rocky Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Right, Bellamy yeah. was great for us for that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jordan Rhodes, we got the best out of him for a yeah. couple of years. Like, has he done since... Matt Derbyshire, we got the best out of him. Yeah. And we follow each other online now, which is, which is lovely. Um, so there were a few players that we got, the, like Craig Hignett, we probably got the best football out yeah. of him in the 90s, like there were a few footballers that we got the best out of. And then even like Andy Cole was great for us, wasn't he? For the couple of years that yeah. he came to us. Dwight York, not as much, but Andy Cole, you know, won the, Le- won the League Cup. Um, I was there at Millennium Stadium, that, that, was, that, was, great that, was, that was great as well. Um, so yeah, there was, there was some great memories. I, I, one of my favourite memories, supporting Rovers, working at Rovers. So I was a utility steward, which meant I went wherever there was a, there was, there was a gap that needed filling. And my favourite position was when you walk along the Riverside stand. So you, li- you said, no, stewards walking up and down. Yeah. That's the best job. Because you're literally walking along the touch land watching the game. Yeah. you meant to watch the crowd, but what are they doing in the Riverside stand? Apart from wishing that they weren't behind a the column. Um, <laughs> There's a former season ticket holder in yeah, the Riverside stand. Yeah, yeah, do you know what i Yeah, yeah. Stand. And uh, so I'm walking up and down the Riverside stand, and there was a memory of, we played Arsenal at home. Would have been 2003, and three, four Vieira, Bergham, Henry, That Henri, those days. We were, we were a competitive team then. Yeah. And we always gave those big teams a run for their money. So we've gone 2-1 down. I think Arsenal have scored a late goal, like a late winner. And so we're pressuring them, like we're piling on the pressure, trying to get that equaliser. And the ball breaks, and on and not Henry, sorry, Vieira, just skips down the wing with the balls, riding a couple of challenges, and just skips past me like a gazelle. Like he was so graceful. Yeah. And I was just like, that is incredible. Yeah. That is so cool. I would like treasure that for the rest of my life. Just Vieira just skipping with the ball down the touchline.
4: Yeah, we've seen some, we've seen some good players at Ewood wearing blue and white, but we've also seen some great players at Ewood yeah. for the opposition. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah, well, now we've seen Ronaldo come back to United, but we can say we saw him at Ewood Park. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'm conscious of time. You've kind of got a show to do tonight. I have. I so like we're, we're impinging. But look,
3: is there anything else? We're probably like still ten minutes away from show time, so you got for, you got me for probably five more minutes. If, well, you well, want. Like if we if we can use yeah, promise, yeah. I'd yeah, certainly
4: yeah. want to do practice. Let, let's go back to the stand then. So. Professionally,
3: mm-hmm.
4: what, what are your unfulfilled ambitions? What would you like to do?
3: I, I, obviously, I'm on, you know, I'm on tour right now. Yeah. I would love to be in a position where I am playing mid-sized theatres, kind of 500 to 1,000 seats in most big towns and cities across the country and I can sell them out with a <laughs> little effort. <laughs> constantly? Yeah, yeah, without you know, constantly trying to hustle, Say, guys, tickets are available, and t- how many different ways can you say that without sounding you know, <laughs> yeah. desperate? Um, so, Rebecca, could you know, just put a tour out, and within, within a month, it's kind of virtually sold out. You know, I'd love to be in that position. Get my own sitcom. Obviously, I mean, I mean, I'm in man like Moby Loo, which I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. You know, I've got my own ideas, and I'd love to have my own sitcom. Uh, a couple of seasons, three, four seasons of my own sitcom out on TV, BBC, Channel Four, Dave. Whoever would have me, I'm not precious. Uh, that'd be great. And I would love, to, you know, I would, I would love to be the. I'll just do a couple of movies where I'm the funny sidekick, like John Hannah in the Mummy. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: Like, yeah. like that sort of thing. Yeah. Like that would be my dream role. Like that. John Hannah's role in the Mummy is the dream role.
2: who Who'd play the lead?
3: A rock like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ryan Reynolds, it doesn't matter. You know. You know, Idris, I don't care. You know.
1: Yeah Idris. Yeah, Idris, you
3: know. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, I, I was just oh you know what what's his name in you know Antman. His Spanish, mm-hmm. his Latino friend in Antman. Like, that sort, of, okay. that sort of role would be just, ah yeah. oh, mm. that's sort of, the funniest advocate character. Yeah. Like, I would love You've got relationships from like the case, that. Well, you know, there's a million and one people who are be great at those things. So, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever's... I'm very big on the Islamic philosophy. Whatever's written for you will happen. Yeah. And it's, it makes rejection a lot easier to deal with. It makes yeah. me being a role as fun a lot easier to deal with as well. <laughs> you know, when we're meant to... If and when we're meant to get promoted, it'll happen and not before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I... Um, you know, we'll see. I, I would, you know, I think it's going to be a good season for us.
4: What do you it's make gonna, of the Brereton
3: phenomenon? Honestly, it's one of the funniest things I've ever Isn't seen in my great,
4: life. So,
3: there's a movie it's, in that. It's so funny. There's it's a movie genuinely, yeah. I play, I play Tyrese Dolan. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, we can What's so funny? More, it, it's, it's a blessing to Tony Mowbray. I tell you that oh, because, because, because there is no disc, there is no room for discussion about anything related to the team under any social media post. Especially on Instagram, because it's all dominated by Chileans yes. waxing lyrical about yeah. Brad Barrowton when he is not the best footballer they have by a country mile. Yeah. But they just have taken to him, haven't they? And well, it's we, so we, cute. We've picked up
4: about five hundred followers since the summer. Uh, and in fact we were in, uh, we had a Chilean
3: journalist contact us. You guys, I think you meant I'm sure, I'm sure. Better that's that's what I'm saying. even us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
4: the supporters website, yeah, we, we we get inquiries coming from um, from Chile about you yeah, know is Ben fit yeah, was was it a good go on Saturday so we send back clips and things like that. It it's just brought a different dimension to it. His mother follows us on Twitter and things like that. And it's just the whole thing is so heartwarming. But it's I, so I just cool. want somebody to make the movie. Yeah.
3: And it's like I'd love it. Like they're doing so well in the qualifying at the moment. But I'd love them to scrape to the World Cup. Yeah. And just get. I mean, he might not be with us by then. But if he comes on this sort of form, he definitely won't be with us. But like, it would just be so cool to see him at the yeah. World Cup.
0: Yeah, it will be.
3: And it's just so cool. funny how tall, how much taller he is compared to the rest of his team. It is really, it is really funny. Because yeah. he's not that. He's tall, but he's yeah. not.
4: He's not. Mon- not, he's not, not, Peter, Peter, not Peter Crouch. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is just, it's just, it's really funny to watch. The whole thing is just really funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, you. I love it. I, I love it so much. I think it's, um, it is a really heartwarming story and I wish him all the best. And I think if he can somehow, you know, if they can get through the World Cup, it'd be so good. He, go- I dare he, probably, say, he probably won't be with us then. I was going to say, I
4: dare say, you know, the Rovers FD will be looking and thinking that's another 10-15 million on his transfer. Like we, right. we need
3: to tour Chile next summer. Oh, I ho- I hope, I hope they are planning that. They have to plan. If not, that is some... That's some, that, some failure of leadership if we don't plan a chili tour next year. Because they've got some big teams, called or I mean, I'm just picking up these teams <laughs> in the, in the Instagram. Like, there are some big teams there. Um, so they, they, need to, they need to do that. Yeah. I mean, you say to Ben, whatever transfer move you've got lined up, let's do the chili tour and then you can go to Valencia <laughs> or wherever you need to go. But let's just do this chili tour first, or Leeds United where, with Bielsa, so wherever you need to go. You need to buy his
4: coattails then. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. We need to get this chili tour done in early June and then you can go get your transfer.
4: Fantastic, Tes. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much once again. Oh, thank you for having me. Really, really looking forward to, to seeing the show later on, of course. But uh, Stuart will want to see you in that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure oh, yeah. A yeah. yeah.
3: Do you have a, you have a pen? Because I don't. Yeah.
4: Ah, yeah. oh, just, just mm. <laughs> So I'll just wind wind this up. That's lovely chatting. Enjoy the rest of the tour. Mm. Whenever you come back in Sheffield, uh, we,
2: we'd love to sort of. Uh, so, how
4: can you
3: guys on Sheffield? Um.
4: My wife's from this area, mm-hmm. but I, I originally went to school in Blackburn. and um, you moved for work?
2: Yeah, it was the only place I could find a job. Oh hell. So we've well, been here twenty years now and it's it turned out to be It's a nice city to be fair. It is, it, it is. is.
4: It's, it's, but yeah. It is. It's a, na- a nice um, compromise being a city and having facilities you'd expect in a city.
3: I'm still in the north. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So S T U A R T. Yeah. Stuart. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very You're much. Welcome.
4: Thank you so much once again. All the very best. Thank you. And it'd be lovely to catch you oh, cool. next time you're you're in Sheffield. That's That's it. It. We'll go and take up our position on the front row. Nice to
3: meet you. I Try not to. So. <laughs> I wouldn't advise it.
1: <laughs> you're looking for the perfect gift for a football fan, aren't you? In that case, you need to go to Terrastore.com and search through the marvellous range of Rovers products. You'll see mugs, prints, bags and much, much more all in the colours of your favourite team, Blackburn Rovers. And as you are a loyal listener to the BRFCS podcast enter BRFCS at the checkout to secure a 10% discount. The Terrace Store. Lovely people, terrific sponsors.
0: Hi,
1: I'm Matt Jansen and you're listening to the BRFCS Podcast. Bill? Yep? What's a false number nine?
7: Well, it's someone who isn't really a number nine.
1: Okay, that's obvious, but what does it mean?
7: Well, you know, in the old days, a number nine was a centre forward.
1: You mean like um, Alan Shearer?
7: Exactly.
1: So he was a real number nine.
7: Was he ever? A number nine was the focus of the attack, the player who was expected to be the team's main goalscorer.
1: And he wore the number nine shirt, didn't he?
7: That's right. But these days, a real number nine doesn't necessarily wear the number nine shirt. It could be anything from 2 to 99.
1: (laughs) It'd be funny if the goalkeeper wore number nine. Would that make him a false number nine?
7: (laughs) Well, that could be the ultimate definition of a false number nine. It sounds like something Ted Lasso would try to do to confuse the opposition.
1: Who does Ted Lasso manage?
7: He manages Richmond.
1: Uh, What division are they in?
7: Well, actually they're not in in any division, they're fictional. It's that programme I've been watching about the American football coach brought to England in the expectation he will fail. But that's another story.
1: (laughs) But you still haven't explained what a false number nine is. Do Rovers play with a false number nine?
7: I don't. I think so, but sometimes you can never tell who is playing in which position. We have a number seven, Armstrong, who plays as a real centre forward sometimes, and a real centre forward, Sam Gallagher, who wears nine, playing on the left wing or sometimes on the right
1: wing. So, Gallagher is a false number nine?
7: No, it's not that simple. He's just a centre-forward who Mowbray plays on the wing, more like a number 11 or a number 7.
1: Is that to confuse the opposition, like you said Ted Lasso does?
7: Well, it could be, but if it is, it's not really working because everyone knows he does that. Anyway, back to your original question. Whatever the number on the back, think of it in terms of the numbers 1 to 11, like it was in the good old days. Whoever wore the number 9 shirt was a real centre-forward. But regardless of the number on his back, if the real centre-forward these days didn't play as a centre-forward but dropped back into midfield, he would be a false number nine.
1: So the opposition centre-half wouldn't have a centre-forward to mark and would be confused, a la Ted Lasso.
7: Uh, I'm actually beginning to regret mentioning Ted Lasso, but yes, I think you've grasped it now. I think, although I doubt whether my explanation is strictly accurate, it used to be a simple game, but it's pretty hard to fathom what's going on these days.
1: You're right. I used to understand off and handball, but now I don't think I do.
7: Well, actually, me too. But let's get the salt and pepper pots out. I'll draw some lines on the kitchen table like they do with Vor, and I'll try and explain it.
1: Well, thanks for the offer, but I think I'll pass and be happy to live in ignorance.
7: Oh, I forgot to tell you something else about Gallagher.
1: You mean the number nine who plays on the wing and could be a number 11 or 7.
7: That's right, so you were paying attention. Mm-hmm. Well, he once played as a false ah! number two. <laughs>
4: in this part of the podcast, we welcome uh, a new guest to the podcast, actually. He's one of the BRFCS backroom guys. I'm going to say one of the backroom guys. He's one of the instrumental IT people. Stuart looks after the architecture, uh, and and you've already heard from him in the podcast. But now it's our chance to introduce Andy Rothwell, who is our front-end IT person. So by front-end, that means all the sexy stuff that you see on the website. So all the new stuff that's been launched Uh, has basically come out of the head of Andy so we we thank him for that on the uh, one one point to clarify Andy no relation to Joe I take it
8: no unfortunately not
4: you've not got the inside track on a move to Rangers then (laughs)
8: no no but I will be very disappointed if he does go as it kind of Ruins my Rothfuss shirt I got a couple of seasons ago.
4: <laughs> it feels a bit inevitable now, I have to say, of the time of recording. There seems to be an increasing yeah. momentum about him going, um, but we shall see. So, Andy, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, where do you live and what's your, um, what's your Rover's origin story then? How come you're a Rover's fan?
8: So I live, I'm from down south. I live in Surrey. Um, and I guess I just grew up at the right time where Rover's were very good when I was at a very impressionable age and it stuck so, a glory supporter who's stayed on after the glory <laughs> disappeared.
4: It is interesting to see exactly. how many supporters we picked up around the country at that time. I can remember going and playing cricket in Devon, uh, probably about 1995, six, and there being like five, six year olds running around with Rover shirts on. And for me, that felt surreal. But obviously, the magic didn't last. But you stuck with us.
8: What What, what was your first game? I did a Spurs away game. I was very young. I was probably six or seven. My mum sorted the tickets, but unfortunately did it through Ticketmaster, but the Spurs um, Ticketmaster. Right. So I turned up head to toe <laughs> in, uh, blue and in, in, in blue and white, scarf, shirt, everything, got to turnstiles, and the steward said, you need to be careful coming in dressed like that. So it was a really good game. I think we won 3-2. It was kind of like a 1-0 equalised to 2-1 equalised. Yeah, and... And yeah, I had to sit on my hands as a very excited seven-year-old trying not to get too excited. My dad's dressing out next to me saying, (laughs) we're in trouble here.
4: I can remember once going to um, to Hillsborough. My father-in-law kn- knew someone who was uh, a Sheffield Wednesday shareholder. And at that time, pre, this is pre-Chan this is the early 90s, Shareholders, there's a shareholder section in the main stand at Hillsborough. And so you could show, uh, they gave you a pass or something, and that was effectively a season ticket for shareholders. And he couldn't go to this game. It had been moved to Sunday for TV. So he, he rang my father-in-law and said, your son-in-law, Blackburn fan. So, yeah, he said, yeah, oh, I've got two uh, two shareholder passes for Sunday if you can use them. So me and my brother-in-law went, and it was the, I think it was the was it the first season of the Premier League. Again, it, we won, but we won with a goal at in injury time from Mike Newell. And it was one of those, we'd suppressed it for so long. we just sort of like sat on our hands and we were sort of like being really good. And in one fluid movement, so when Newell scored, we jumped up out of our seats instinctively and turned immediately left and went down the stairs to get out of the stand <laughs> as fast as we possibly could, having given the game away. And I always find it's, when you go undercover, I think, as um, as a... As a an away supporter in, in, in the home section is just so, so difficult to do. Anyhow, yeah. that wasn't the reason for getting you on the podcast because um, in one of our many conversations about uh, the design for the new BRFCS site, you, you let slip an encounter. Now, I think in in life, it's always nice uh, in real life when you bump into someone, particularly if it's a hero and all the rest of it, and you, you can dine out on the stories thereafter. But let's, let's before we do the big reveal, let, let, let's let set the story up then. So this is back at the beginning of August, as I recall. Where were you? What were you doing?
8: I was, I just nipped out to the supermarket to get some bits for lunch. It was a waitrose in my little village, West Byfreet in Surrey. And yeah, as you say, not expecting to bump into anyone, but I knew this particular person lives near me. And I had spent the last decade or so hoping to bump into them, but never got the opportunity. It was a very surreal moment, uh, just walking down one of the aisles and this person walked past me and I thought to myself, oh, that face looks very familiar. And yeah, it uh, it was quite surreal.
4: So did, did you do that thing where you kept walking around the aisle to see if you could bump into the next yeah. one to verify it? I did. i was going to say, you did supply us on the group chat with photographic evidence of who you'd just bumped I into. Did. And we all couldn't quite believe it. So well, tell, I, tell us about how the encounter unfolded, and then we'll do the big reveal.
8: Yeah, it was quite shameless just following him around the aisles, trying to clarify that it was who I thought it was. I had to message you guys to say, Oh, I think I've just seen someone in the, the supermarket tracks. and sent a, a very questionable photo from a distance to say, "Look, here he is." And uh, it was inconclusive, shall we say? The uh, as it was kind of at the back of their head, but as I got closer, I could hear him at the checkouts with a very thick accent, and I thought, "Yeah, that's that's definitely him." So I uh, I quit. Whizzed to the self-service and paid for my bits and went out to the car park and waited, waited, <laughs> <laughs> waited for him in the car park, which sounds very sinister. But uh, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's going one behavior. of two ways.
4: This story it's either you know, stalker-like sort of hero worship
0: or <laughs> you're,
8: yeah, exactly. you're paying assassin. Well, the so, uh... this is the uh, the benefit of time being a great healer, should we say? Where ten years ago it would have been for one purpose to wait for him in the car park. But now it's just, we are where we are, really.
4: Down in deepest, darkest Surrey, outside Waitrose, wearing an Adidas training jacket and, uh, was it a Melbourne Victory baseball cap? It was the one I yeah,
8: was It was that, that, the cap was definitely the final piece of the puzzle, so to make sure it was exactly what I thought it was. Yes, Melbourne Victory, our uh, infamous previous manager, Steve Keen.
4: Oh, how did you restrain yourself? When you, saw, when you you confirmed that it was, in fact, him?
8: I think it was just sheer disbelief that I'd finally seen him in the flesh.
4: Yeah.
8: Um, after everything that we'd been through, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to do. I, at first, I thought, I'm going to go over and just tell him what I think. And then uh, I thought, actually, no, I'll just leave it yeah. and get in the car and go home. But then I actually thought, I, you guys aren't going to believe me, so I need to go over and say something. <laughs> So, how did the
4: conversation unfold?
8: Well, I went over and said, Steve, how are you doing? I'm Andy. I'm a Blackburn fan. And his face dropped. Yeah. He, the sheer look of panic on his face was quite something. And yeah, he, he, I think he, uh, he was definitely taken aback, on shall it. we say. Yeah, that's for sure. But it's quite a surreal conversation. The first thing he said to me was, "Oh, I'm just I'm driving my son's car I'm going to I'm going to Newton at university because it was a it was a bit of a banger." And well, I bet, not, I, bet uh, I bet the
4: insurance costs are high, aren't they, for people that have been convicted of drunk driving? Sorry.
8: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I can confirm that his his past is uh, he's served his battle and he's back on the roads.
4: So, um, once you revealed your identity and you said you were a Blackburn Rovers supporter, um, how did how did the conversation go then?
8: Well, I asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast, Ian.
4: And the fact that he's not been on suggests that the answer was <laughs> we'd, negative. We would
8: say that no, uh, no. He's he said something like, um, uh, I, "I've, I would like to, but there's always some idiots that are going to ruin it," or something like that. He said, "I've obviously, I know there's a lot of people there that still like me, but there's always like a minority that are going to be idiots about it." So I, I think I'll politely, a politely decline. Yeah. I think I think
4: had you managed to persuade him to come on, that would have been the hardest interview, I would ever have done, <laughs> or the shortest, or both. I'm not I'm not so sure. I'd like I'd like to think I would say re- retain my professionalism, but I'm I'm not doing this for money, so I don't have to retain my professionalism. <laughs> but that would have been quite surreal. I must admit, I think I would have, I think my blood would have run cold if I'd run into him. I have to say, that's uh... well, th-
8: yeah, it, it's it's a funny one because I could easily have gone over and said, exactly what I was." Think of him, or and being very honest and like looking back, it, it's it probably would have. I'm not really in the business of ruining ruining someone's day and like yeah. getting myself in a big huff about it. Yeah. And
4: be the be be the bigger man and enjoy the view from the moral high ground. That's what I say.
8: Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and I feel like back in back in the day, I did my part of uh, trying to be active in being vocal against him. So. I feel I've I've earned enough uh, credit from Matt to just be able to walk away from that situation rather than uh, try and get one over that's for
4: sure yeah, he's not part of the club anymore thank God my God he left a trail of destruction so I, I felt the need to include this as a podcast action just for, I can just imagine how you felt when you saw him and certainly when you sent us the photos we were debating about whether it was or whether it wasn't and then as you say you <laughs> sent the photo of him wearing the Melbourne Victory cap with that inane grin then we knew for sure that it was but uh, thanks for sharing Andy you uh, <laughs> no don't hesitate anytime you bump into former Rovers uh legends to ask them onto the podcast uh, hopefully uh, your next encounter with someone with Blackburn Connections is um, is far better than that one just before I let you go then um, what other exciting stuff have we got lined up for the BRFCS website
8: yeah we've got some big ideas that's for sure there's a lot we can do with kind of uh, user interactive kind of stuff we've recently launched the uh, man of the match and hopefully extend that further to make kind of like player of the, player of the month player of the season other little things like uh, we've talked about bringing back at the 92 club. Um, we've got, I hope you can't hear my cat by the way. <laughs> Just a little back. meeting in the background, but
4: don't worry. Not the,
8: <laughs> not the first time we've
4: had pets on the podcast.
8: So we want to try and choose more kind of like stat based stuff for all the anoraks out there who like to look back over previous seasons. Are wanting to finish off the player archive as well, which will go hand in hand with that. So the idea being that you can look at uh, current players and their stats and compare them against historic players like so try and do a uh, Burton, ver- Burton Diaz sorry versus Shearer comparison that kind of thing good stuff well as long as we're exactly keeping you busy and keeping
4: you away from Waitros, then you don't have to bump into Steve Keen again that's the main thing
8: <laughs> I've not seen him since so maybe I've scared him off shopping there now
4: maybe he's back in Australia who knows Andy thanks so much yeah. for sharing uh, both your encounter with the legend that is Steve Keen. I use the word legend quite incorrectly and uh, thanks also for sharing what you've got in the pipeline for us on BRFCS.com. That sounds really exciting. Uh, I'll let you go back and recover now. You can sort of like uh, sit down and just get, get <laughs> let your pulse rate calm back down after talking about Steve Keen. Thanks once again, mate. Really Thank appreciate you.
8: It. Thank you very much. Cheers.
6: I went, when I was putting the uh, Blackburn Rovers article together and Simon had sent me his, his stuff and I thought, well, I'll just get a few... Um, you know, fans insights but just like because we're in a fan team a magazine will make them celebrity fans so then I thought well I need a Spurs um, fan famous fan to talk about the Worthington Cup final so I logged on famous Spurs fans and um, Alan Sugar <laughs> Chaz <and> Dave <laughs> thought he's, he's not he's not going to talk to us yet Chaz and Dave was the next one well one of them's passed away so no, then my dad said, Bobby Davro, he's a Tottenham fan. I said, no, oh, is he? <laughs> so I, was, I thought, go on then, I'll be. And it turns out he was. So I thought, go on then, I'll give it a go. I have no one else. Uh, and with it being a bit of a nostalgic magazine, I thought it might raise a few, you know, eyebrows with some of the readers. So I messaged him on Twitter. Within a minute, he'd got, uh, personal message me back here's my number give me a ring like, <laughs> is hell. it really bobby davro <laughs> I, know. I said all right bobby i'll i'll ring you tomorrow uh so i rang him no answer and i thought oh never mind never mind so we're was washing up and uh my girlfriend shouting your phone's going off it's bobby davro because i put his <laughs> name in it you know all of i said give over she said no it says bobby davro on it so I said I'll take it upstairs so I got me notepad and pen out I said alright Bobby how's it going and he said yeah yeah is this Chris from Turnstiles I said yeah he said go on what is it you want to talk about so I said oh you're a big Spurs fan aren't you I said yeah yeah he said Worthington Cup final yeah I remember it well I said alright I said yeah can I just get your thoughts on the day he said yeah well Lineker had a good game didn't he and I said no 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 Bobby Lineker didn't play that game he said, did he not? We're cannot play." And I said, no, he retired about 10 years before. What? And then he says, oh, my mate Gary Mabot must have been playing then that day. I said, no, 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 I think you've got this wrong. he retired about five years ago. I said, well, who played then? So I said, oh, well, it was Neil Sullivan in nets and yeah, have Ferdinand. Oh, Big Les, my mate, Big Les. What year are we talking about again? I said, oh, <laughs> it started to twig that he didn't have a clue That's what I was talking about. Next minute, he starts talking about Chas and Dave, saying, oh yeah, we sang that song uh, always ends in the year one whenever we win a cup and he started singing it on the phone to me and I'm thinking, I've got Bobby down right here on the phone, not having a clue what I'm on about. But yeah, he's singing Chas and Dave <laughs> on the phone to me. So then he's, he's going on and he's, He's just misremembering everything. Yeah, we won two 0 didn't we? I said no, no, no. You got beat two one. No, we didn't. This would have been a fantastic podcast interview. Wembley. I said no, it was Cardiff. Yeah, and he's going on about players that didn't play, and I, and I had, you know, I just had to keep correcting him. And then I said, you might remember it because the roof was closed, but Wembley doesn't have a roof. I said no, no, it's at Cardiff, <laughs> the Millennium Stadium. He said, they set fireworks off and he, there were, all the smoke were lingering for the first five minutes. So I said, yeah, that's the one. He said, nah, I don't remember it. <laughs> 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 but obviously we're a
4: BRFCS podcast, we're a Rovers fans podcast, so how do football? God, Pink 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 Pink. Pink. I got
3: accused of being a United fan yesterday. What? It happens all the time. What? people assume? No, I think it's because I'm Asian.
1: And people ah. assume
3: that because I'm Asian, either sport, United or Liverpool, yeah. And it's really, it feels like a slur. Because I don't. Personal friend. I don't, I know. And I even say in the show that, I don't, there's a point in the show where I talk about Guy Neville and I preface that I don't support United. But then I go on to talk about more Salah's diving. And uh, this person just got the blinders on. and obviously a Liverpool fan. And they were like, M-m-m-m-m-m. but I'm like, he's just one of the best players in the world. And he dives though too. They're not mutually exclusive.
7: Yeah.
4: heard chris from turnstiles magazine talk about the uh, tony parks art print well here's your chance to win one all you need to do is to answer the following question where was tony parks born email your answer to admin at brfcs.com that's admin at brfcs.com for a chance to win the tony parks art print make sure your entries are in by the 14th of November. that remains now is to say a few thank yous to all our contributors providing a Steve Waggett and Tony Mowbray impression is Stuart Grimshaw Michael Taylor we also had Chris O'Keefe and Scott Sumner talking about fanzine culture the Terry and June of the BRFCS podcast that's Mr and Mrs Arthur live from Canada our own IT consultant, Andy Rothwell, and the incomparable Tez Ilias. Thanks very much to all of you for your contributions. Music in this episode came from The Symmetry Band for our usual theme, the one and only Jay Henry, and of course, our newfound friends from Chile, Renzo Music. Follow them on Twitter at Renzo And finally, voiceovers came from Matthew Hall and Isabella White.
0: Me voy a <laughs>
3: Hi, I'm Tez Ilias of Blackburn and you are listening to the BRFCS podcast.